Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Five people living around Asheville and in Asheville have now filed a lawsuit against the city. The lawsuit filed in federal court because the city refused to appoint these individuals to an advisory board. I want to welcome to the program Jessica Thompson. Uh, she is a lawyer with Pacific Legal Foundation, PacificLegal.org. Uh, and uh, Jessica, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hang on. Hang on. There we go. Jessica, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Fantastic. Okay. So I'm a, I apologize for the uh, the issues with the phone lines. But um, so thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. You doing all right? I'm doing well. Doing well. And uh, happy to be back with you and uh, to be fighting for equality under the law in Carolina. Yeah. So uh, well, the last time I think we spoke was about the lawsuit with the... Uh, with the uh, from the bar owners against uh, Governor Cooper over the shutdown orders. So uh, you you just like these types of cases. It sounds like <laughs> we do. That's one of uh, PLF's three major focus areas. Uh, we like to partner equality and opportunity because we believe that treating individuals equally uh, under the law and then providing opportunities for them to. Uh, improve their own lives and take responsibility for their own lives is the best way to advance uh, everyone. Uh, so we, we partner uh, those two missions, and uh, that's the reason that we're bringing these cases here in North Carolina. So one of the plaintiffs in this case is John Mile, um, and uh, he joins us now also. John Mile used to work actually for the city of Asheville uh, for 30 years, as the, eventually becoming the director of risk management. Um, John, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thank you for taking your time today. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, John, uh, I remember you when you ran for mayor at one point in the city of Asheville. Um, so you, um, you, you tried to uh, continue public service, uh, couldn't beat the incumbent at the time, but you've stayed active. And then what you saw an opening on a city advisory panel and you're like, oh, this seems like something I could do. Exactly. I had, um, even after I retired in 2005, the city invited me back and appointed the council, appointed me as chair of the Civil Service Board, which is a statutory uh, function. It's uh, mandated by state law for the city of Asheville, and I served in that capacity. So I thought, this this is a chance I might have a chance to serve and and have some small amount of input to things. It it was my, that's all I wanted. We don't get paid. There's no upside to it other than you feel like you can, can help. Well, and also, I think you're ignoring all of the abuse that you could take on Facebook and social media, right? You get that going for you, well, too. Well, I, I, I go back to my 30 years as a public servant. It, it comes with the turf. I got you. So this was the Human Relations Commission of Asheville, the HRCA. It was supposedly designed to promote human relations, hence the name Human Relations Commission. Um, so what what was the purpose of this commission in in your belief, John, and why did you want to be on this thing? 
Well, I, I, I took it very literally, as, as, as you clearly are. It, you know, there are many, many, many boards and commissions that the city appoints um, by the members of the public too to get input and, and direction on policy and so forth. And and this one, I thought, you know, the community could always stand some healing. Asheville is a is a little bit of a microcosm of our country right now. It's very divided, very fractured. And I thought, well, if they want people from all walks of life, I might represent something that, that could be of help. And, and that was as far as I thought it through. So, uh, and that's uh, and that's about as far as you got, it sounds like. You applied, and then what, never, you, did you ever hear back from them about anything? Or, ever, like, any kind of communications? No, and, and that honestly was the part that frustrated me the most, uh, Pete. Uh, the, the fact that, that myself, nor, nor any of the other uh, uh, applicants involved in this uh, suit are, uh, we, we never got a phone call. I, I won't mention names, but one of our other plaintiffs in this case was probably in my career the most appointed human in the city of Asheville to multiple boards and commissions multiple times. So, you know, the fact that we didn't get a phone call or a telephone interview is just like, thanks, but no thanks. We're, we're on to the next step. So, Jessica, let me uh, pivot back to you. From a legal standpoint, uh, what do you believe uh, the the evidence indicates as to why they didn't hear back and to and and what was the problem with their applications? Well, unfortunately, uh, the problem was that our uh, clients were not the right race of what the city of Asheville was intending to appoint to this human relations committee. Um, they initially started out with a flat-out race quota saying that um, they would appoint six African-Americans, two Latinx individuals, um, and then some other uh, members of the community, such as LGBTQ plus youth, uh, people who live in public housing and the like. Um, then the city attorney informed uh, the commission that the use of such blatant racial quotas uh, violates state and federal law, and uh, instead of rescinding all racial preferences, they decided to make it a little bit uh, more covert and uh, instead changed the ordinance to state that they should endeavor to appoint uh, membership that includes um, black and African Americans, um, Hispanic individuals, Native Americans, Asian Americans. But once again, uh, Caucasians, whites were left off of that list, uh, essentially not invited uh, to apply unless they met one of these other, other uh, plus factor um, things that the city did deem to be valuable uh, for the commission. Um, but the city of Asheville's race-based appointment preferences cannot survive constitutional scrutiny. Um, they cannot demonstrate that they have a compelling interest uh, in using these race preferences nor is it uh, narrowly tailored uh, to achieve that interest. Uh, and so we think that this uh, use of race preferences is doomed under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. So, Jessica, are you standing near a microwave or something? I keep hearing... I am not. Okay. Are you driving? Because it's. Uh, I keep hearing... I don't know if John's hearing it, too, but it's like uh, static on the line and pops and stuff. So I don't know if they're... Or if maybe you're plugged in or on a speakerphone or something. I don't know. I so I uh, just took out earbuds, but I'm I'm still hearing that as well. I'm sorry about that. Oh no, it's all right. It's look. I, uh, I think that uh, some yeah, the phone system has not been cooperating with us at all today. So 
Um, what of the argument, though, that, look, the, you've got this commission, you want to appoint people of a diverse background, so it's not all, you know, sort of monochromatic and all from one uh, uh, one community, let's say. Um, and look, it is Asheville, right? I mean, it, it's despite how much they say they value diversity, it is a pretty homogenous <laughs> kind of city, really. Uh, I, I lived there for a long time, right? There's not, it's not exactly a huge minority population. So what of that argument? Look, you know, we, there's some benefit to be had by trying to have um, a, 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 a you know, minority representative body. Right. Well, and so under uh, recent uh, Supreme Court precedent, including the uh, case where they just ended affirmative action uh, at the university level, um, the Supreme Court has said eliminating racial discrimination means eliminating all of it. And, uh, you know, one thing is that uh, there have only been two uh, interests that the Supreme Court allows uh, the use of racial classification um, to, to be justified by, and uh, that's avoiding uh, imminent harm uh, in prisons, and of course that doesn't apply here, or to uh, remediate a specific identified instance of past discrimination. And here the city of Asheville did not point to anything like that. Instead, uh, they pointed to racial stereotypes and used race in a negative way. Um, They initially said the basis of uh, this preferential treatment was to make members feel more comfortable and that they are not the only one. Um, and that is absolutely using uh, gross racial assumptions um, about the comfort level of individuals, um, and it, uh, it's just unpermissible under the Equal Protection Clause. All right, John Mile, uh, one of the plaintiffs in this case, uh, how did you find out that there were other people that had uh, suffered the same uh, discrimination as, as you did? Actually, Pete, in a, in a nutshell, this goes back almost three years ago. The, the um, I was I was personally very frustrated about some things the city had done at that time, unrelated to this case completely. But one thing led to another, and 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 spoke to a local attorney who said she would be glad to take this on pro bono. And I said, well, let's do it. And we had to form a corporation, a legal corporation. Hence, we became Western North Carolina Citizens for Equality Inc in order to have standing. Jessica, you someday, if you and I ever get in a room together, well, you can explain to me what standing is, why as a taxpayer mm-hmm. had none, but as part of a group, we had standing. And we successfully sued uh, the city over that situation that involved race, and, and uh, it was settled out of court on terms that we had said would be fair to us, uh, to, to, to the whole community. Uh, we also have another case uh, pending right now, not a lawsuit, but a formal complaint with the U.S. Department of Education about a charter school in town. Um, and then, uh, then of course, this one. The point is we found out about this because we're scrutinizing carefully everything the city and county and school boards are doing in the local community with public money. I'd, I'd summarize it by saying in my 30-year career, Pete, I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours at the UNC Institute of Government, getting some of the best training and education the state could provide public servants. And the one thing that was constant and never forgotten was was uh, um, Title VI of the, of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. You may not discriminate based on race, sex, age, political affiliation, or national origin. We spent our careers making sure that did not happen, and now it's the only criteria they seem to want to apply. 
John Mile, uh, one of the plaintiffs in this case against the city of Asheville, and Jessica Thompson, attorney for the Pacific Legal Foundation. Thanks so much for your time. Good luck on your uh, your complaint. Uh, look to have you back. Give us a progress update at some point. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. All right. Take care, y'all. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? So uh, the Asheville City Council, or sorry, the city of Asheville, I should say, uh, they had this commission with explicit quotas for people of you know non-white races. Uh, they wanted two adults from 18 to 25, two or three people who live in public housing, two people with a disability, three people recognized community leaders, two members of the LGBTQ community, eight of the 15 members to be black or Latinx. Or Latinx. The commission got a recommendation back in June of 2022 from their city attorney that said, hey, you probably want to get rid of those <laughs> because they are uh, yeah, probably not defensible. But the commission, chaired by one Tanya Rodriguez, explained her concern that, quote, our color isn't diluted out of the commission. The commission publicized then at least four open positions in February of this year. Five people applied. The plaintiffs never got to meet with uh, anybody. They did not meet the racial criteria, nor the other criteria of being disabled, living in public housing, between the ages of 25 and 18, member of the LGBTQ community, nor were plaintiffs recognized community leaders as defendants considered that term. And so they got rejected. Defendants elected to leave the open positions vacant. So get that. Rather than fill the positions with these people who applied that wanted to do it, they left the positions vacant and then put out another call for volunteers. And so they are accused of conspiring with each other to organize and administer this commission, this Human Relations Commission, in a way that was discriminatory on the basis of race and ethnicity. I don't know. I think there might be a bit of a retirement strategy going on here, right? If I were living out there and I had like all of this, uh, these opportunities to sue the city, maybe get a bunch of money, like I might just apply for all sorts of stuff and get <laughs> just start suing and get a bunch of money off of the city of Asheville. At some point, they'll learn. At some point, the city of Asheville might learn. Got a couple of messages here uh, before I get to the uh, Ibram X. Kendi stuff. Let me see. Stan says, when you say in your advertisement for employees or workers that you're committed to a diverse workforce, is that in and of itself a constitutional violation? Doesn't it also make everything the EEOC stands for and does unconstitutional? Uh, no, I think it just means like you say that in order to make sure that you are checking boxes. Like we are trying to hire, you know, a 
Like we value that. We're like, it's like, that's the signal. Like we're not racist. I think that's the idea. But you can't, you, you can't have a quota system, I believe. I don't know, but there's been other rulings and other, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I am not an expert on, on that whole area of uh, constitutional law. And look, there's a lot of stuff that's going to get litigated now because of that recent Supreme Court case. That's what Jessica Thompson was saying with the, uh, uh, the UNC uh, and Harvard admissions case. So there, there's a lot more testing to occur. Um, regarding... Uh, this is Bill who says the guy with the tinfoil hat and General Motors stock wrong. Check the link, Pete. Over 40% is owned by the usual suspects, Vanguard, BlackRock, other mutual funds. Institutional investors own another 40%. The rest he'll buy individual stockholders or probably held by individual stockholders. The Chinese do own GM. Thanks. Love your show. Bill in Huntersville. I see no link, Bill, but honestly, if you gave me a link, I still wouldn't click it. I don't click links. All right, I will get John on here. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Well, I just had a quick comment about the Hunter Biden wire that you were mentioning earlier. Yeah. And in regards to that, I do international wire transfers. And I think the key thing is that you need, which you admitted you haven't seen, but to actually look at the wire details, because mm-hmm. that will describe a lot more information than what we have right now. Because I'm looking at like a wire transfer I've done recently from China. Did, did you get it? Did you get it from some Chinese nationals? No. Okay. No, no, no. It's actually from <laughs> Bank of Montreal, from Canada. Oh, Canada. the Canadians! That's even worse, John. Well, it probably is, but it's, <laughs> they've done my job, so I don't care that much. <laughs> But if you if you actually look at the document, it says it lists not only the funding account name, the amount, the currency translation, and then it has the beneficiary name, mm-hmm. which is me. But in order to get it into the right account, you need the account number of my bank, as it turns out. Right. And then you, in order to initiate it, you need what's called a SWIFT account mm-hmm. and an ABA number. Now, with that, all that information, the money will get transferred, as it is done for me. Um, but I don't see any reason why you couldn't put any address on it you want. Right. The key, the key thing is just you have to show what the beneficiary account number and name and the person's name is. Otherwise, we're just batting in the wind. Right. And I suspect that all of those other numbers route to... Uh the bank account, Hunter. Well, I know it routes to Hunter Biden's bank account, and I suspect it's one of them that's tied to one of his twenty LLCs, right? Oh yeah, right. Very possibly, right. But the can... question would be, why, if you're putting the address down, if he's living in California and he's doing work for these Chinese nationals, then why are they routing that information through to an account and putting the Delaware address on it? Now, I've also seen that the Delaware address. Uh, was also on Hunter Biden's driver's license. So maybe he never transferred his residency to California and all of that. But the but again, we we haven't seen the details of this, but even so, no. it still makes the point that he's claiming that as his residence. And if they're saying, well, that was his residence, then that means he was, in fact, living there, unless he was lying about his residence as well. Then he's living at this house, and that's the place where the 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 top-secret documents were being stored while he's doing this work for foreign agents 
Of course, it is. It's indicating that it's going in that direction. But again, I, I, as you just mentioned, that may be what he simply lists as his permanent address. Right. Which, if, if you're, as he claims, a businessman, he could be operating out of any country in the world, as he did. Right. And if he's living in California, as he was for multiple years, why wouldn't why wouldn't he have transferred all of that stuff over unless you're trying to keep your Delaware residency for a purpose? And, you know, there's a corporate purpose for that, you know, but you can incorporate in Delaware and not live in Delaware. So I, I, I'm that's what I mean. I want more investigation. I want to see the documents and maybe it all turns out. And it's like Joe didn't know anything about any of this. It was all done by everybody around him and he had no clue. And maybe that turns out to be true, but there's no way that we can verify that unless we have some uh, investigation. Exactly. And that's why I say at this stage, yes, it does look very incriminating, but there could be, as much as I don't want to believe it, it could be an actual legitimate reason for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John, I appreciate the call, sir. Okay. Take care. Yes, sir. You too. Uh, It's good information. Uh, This is from Ellen. Uh, who says, Pete, don't let up on Hunter Biden and his activities. They do matter. Some of us are just sick of the Democrats' hypocrisy. Feels good to call them out. What the Bidens have done is impeachable. Why are the Democrats so scared to see what is uncovered with an inquiry? Love your show, Ellen. Uh, Well, because they're afraid that Joe Biden's going to get impeached. I mean, they're afraid of losing the White House. They're afraid of Kamala Harris becoming uh, becoming the president, rather. And then losing to Trump. That's they're afraid that Trump's going to win again, and they think Joe Biden is the guy that's going to be able to to win. And and I don't know. Like at some point, they, there may be an effort to oust him. That could happen too. I don't know. Um, Joseph says Trump broke Tim. <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, and then Dennis says, if Joe ain't lying, then grits ain't groceries, eggs ain't poultry, and Mona Lisa was a man. Uh, let's see here oh I said I was trying to be uh, entertaining and informative and I said I try to keep a 50-50 batting or I think I'm at a 50-50 batting average Um, this was from who is this from Robert I am a decades long listener to WBT a conservative and a Charlotte area lifelong resident who calls into your show and others on occasion I'll admit I haven't called your show too many times though it's okay Uh, regarding your goal of being informative and entertaining, it's very difficult to be both at a high level. Gosh, don't I know it. Rush Limbaugh, Bill Maher, and Bill O'Reilly are a few who I think fit that bill. I think you are certainly informative, and your track record of longevity speaks for itself. Thanks for your show. Wait a minute. I kind of feel like... Is that... I kind of feel like... Yeah, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh no i will not read anything into it i appreciate the uh the, the email robert thank you for listening to the program uh i mentioned commander biden that's not a that's not a rank that's the dog it bit another person apparently yeah the german shepherd at the white house has bitten yet another person the presidential dog bit its 11th person now but who's counting is, uh, if that was anybody else with any other dog after the first bite, if the dog repeated it, it would be euthanized. That's true, particularly in states. I uh, remember North Carolina, and I'm not sure if we if we still have this one on the books. I believe we do, which is the dangerous breeds law, uh, where 
Like if you have a if you have a breed of dog that's not quote dangerous, that's not on the list, then you get one free bite at the hand. One bite at the hand or apple, but whatever. You get one free bite. And then after that, you know that your dog is is a biter. And after that, then you're liable, right? But if your dog is on that dangerous breed list, it's assumed that like they've already bitten somebody. <laughs> like for I mean for all intents and purposes, that's what they're saying. They're like, look, you got this kind of dog, like, and German Shepherd's on the list. So, like, you got a German Shepherd, you should just assume that it's already bitten somebody. You already know you have a dangerous dog. And so if it bites somebody else, even if it's the first technical bite, now you're liable because it's a dangerous breed. So, yeah, but, I mean, that's that's just after one. This thing's bitten 11 people. And you know what I said last time? Caesar Milan says it. And so I quote him, the dog whisperer. It's never the it's never the dog's fault. It's the bad owner. It's always the owner. Always. They are not training and of all the of all the families in America. This is the family that would be able to get a dog trainer. I'm going to pitch it again. Caesar and and Joe. It's a TV show. You get Caesar Milan, go to the White House, train the dog, and after the first episode, we find out, actually halfway through the first episode, we're going to find out that it's not the dog's fault, it's Joe's fault. They're not training the dog well. They're not acting as the pack leader. Okay, I'm sorry. Way, way down a rabbit hole here. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. President Joe Biden's younger dog, Commander, bit another U.S. Secret Service agent at the White House Monday evening. CNN has learned. The 11th known biting incident involving the two-year-old German Shepherd. Quote, Yesterday, around 8 p.m., a Secret Service uniformed division police officer came in contact with a first family pet and was bitten. The officer was treated by medical personnel on complex. End quote. That's the statement from Secret Service. The injured officer spoke with the uh, Secret Service uniformed division chief and is doing okay. Commander, the dog, has been involved now in at least 11 biting incidents at the White House and in Delaware. Um, White House officials said back in July that the Bidens were working through some new training and leashing protocols for the family pet following the incidents. Okay, so uh, they didn't work, apparently, whatever the training was and the leashing protocols. Here's one. I got an idea. Leashing protocol on a leash with a muzzle all the time. How about that? I think that's a, I'm just, I'm not a trainer, not an, I'm no dog whisperer, although people sometimes think I am. Because I, I do have a way with the canines. I do. Because I watched a lot of Dog Whisperer. 
And it's basically the same show over and over and over and over again. You got to be the pack leader. And then you do the thing with your hand. You do the, you make like a you make like a a C shape with your hand, and you use it like it's like you're mimicking the the jaw of the mama dog. And you go, ch, ch, and you you like you like poke them with it. You poke them on the neck. It's a corrective. Ch, ch. And then eventually you don't need to do the poking. You just do the ch, ch. and uh, actually I don't know. Would that be translated? From because he sees her Milan, do you translate that to English and does it become like k or something? I don't know because he could spell it as a CC because that that gives you the ch sound right in Spanish. And so if it's CC, then maybe you're just supposed to like the American version, the English version would be like k, k, k. no, because we still say like fettuccine, so that yeah, probably still ch. Asked by CNN whether the new training had taken place or if any further action would be sought, Elizabeth Alexander, communications director for the First Lady. Oh, so wait a minute. So Dr. Jill is the one that's supposed to be training, Commander? They're going to they're going to Dr. Jill. They're going to Jill Biden. So Jill Biden is the bad trainer. That actually makes sense. That does. That actually makes sense. I'm probably going to offend people here in the last minute of the program, but just as a heads up, when you attempt to correct your dog and you do it with the tone of voice like, now, Commander, don't do that. That doesn't work, folks. It doesn't work. They hear you talk like this, and it sounds a lot like your baby talk that you do when you rub their belly. You know, it is so cute. It all sounds the same to them. They don't know your words. They They... They, they go off of the tone, and when you're like, no, don't do that. Stop sniffing that person's crotch. They don't know what you're saying. They're, they think, oh, okay, I'm going to get a belly rub for doing this. <laughs> and then just go ahead, go to town, making all of your guests uncomfortable. Hello, Prime Minister from Elbonia. Par, don't, uh, don't mind, Commander. Now, Commander, don't be sniffing the crotch of the Prime Minister from Elbonia. That's not a real place, by the way. Um, the comms director for the First Lady says in a statement, the First Family continues to work on ways to help Commander handle the often unpredictable nature of the, oh my gosh, wait, now you're blaming the dog. Oh, you're blaming, no, this is the system. This is what Winterbull would refer to as the system failing, right? This is the system failed. The, the First Family is working on ways to help Commander handle the often unpredictable, no, it's a dog. It's a German Shepherd. You got to train that. Th- I got an idea. Okay, you know what? Here, give it to the Secret Service agents and let them use that dog to parole, uh, patrol the perimeter. Put that dog to work. Walk that thing about 16 hours a day. It will be so tired, it won't be able to bite anybody. I'm all about solutions here, people. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.